India and Korea have a lot in common. Their relations go back to thousand years. Buddhist monks traveled to and fro. And even today, a small percentage of Koreans trace their heritage back to a legendary princess who supposedly came from Ayodhya. K-dramas and K-pop are huge in parts of India, particularly in the Northeast. But is that all there is to relations between India and Korea? Welcome to States of Anarchy, a podcast on global affairs and foreign policy. I'm your host, Hamsani Hariharan. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the Korean Peninsula. We busted myths about North Korea. We demystified the recent summits between Kim Jong-un and Trump. We've spoken about democracy in South Korea and how the city of Seoul has developed over time. But through all of this, I was asking myself, do Indians care? Why should Indians care? India actually has a pretty important role during the Korean War. The ceasefire in 1953 was declared after both North and South Korea accepted a resolution sponsored by India. And then the Neutral National Repatriation Commission, which was in charge of resolving humanitarian issues, was set up and India was actually its chairman. The Cold War stopped any major exchanges because South Korea is a US ally, while India declared herself strongly non-aligned. But from the 1990s onwards, things changed. Trade became an important pillar of our relations. There was more interaction between people. Leaders finally visited each other's countries. And just a couple of months ago, in February 2019, India and South Korea signed six major agreements to cooperate on infrastructure, law enforcement, media, and other things. I've been very lucky to record today's podcast. My guest for today is Mr. Satish Sivan, the Deputy Chief of Mission at the Indian Embassy in Seoul. We caught up on what both India and South Korea are doing on fronts of trade and investment and culture. But before we get to the interview, let's take a short break. Welcome back to States of Anarchy. I'm Hamsani Hariharan, and I'm in conversation with Mr. Satish Sivan about the bilateral ties between India and South Korea. Hi, Mr. Sivan. Thank you so much for speaking to me, particularly in such a great place like Seoul. When I think about India and Korea's relationship, they have a lot of things in common. They're both good democracies. They've both had strengths and failings in how their economies have developed. Uh, they both share the same sort of Independence Day. What do you think are the major areas of cooperation when we talk about India-Korea relations? Thank you. Thank you for visiting us at the embassy. You have said a lot of uh, common areas between India and Korea. In the embassy here, we feel that there is not a single uh, area of human endeavor where India and Korea cannot cooperate. If you see the active policy of the government, one of the main pillars of this policy is India's relationship with Korea. And why do I say this? It's because if you look at the commercial relationship, for example, whatever India seeks to achieve, whatever the, be the technology, be the resources that it requires, Korea has the ability to offer us just going one sector, the commercial area of engagements, which is the most prominent, which is the most visible part of the relationship. Um, we are trying to work together on areas such as ports, shipping, infrastructure. When I mean infrastructure, you can 
go over the whole habit, be it the railways, be it the roadways, be it the uh, shipping industry, uh, and, and on top of it, looking at the smart cities, creating the infrastructure for the smart cities, marine, fisheries, agriculture, food processing industries, defense industries. So the whole ambit of next-gen development that we are looking at, India and Korea can collaborate. Uh, similarly, in terms of the new technologies, artificial intelligence, robotics, these are another set of areas where India and Korea can collaborate. The potential is there in everything. The possibility lies in everything. And there is wonderful complementarity. What India requires, Korea has it and has the resource to give us. Mm. So that is one aspect. Then when I look at the political and strategic relationship, as I said, the defense industries and the defense relationship, mm. the people-to-people contact, the cultural uh, relationship, in every area of what I can perceive as a diplomat, we have possibilities to collaborate. So I would say that uh, the possibilities uh, look immense. Mm. The future looks very really promising for us. Mm. And what does India have to give in return to Korea? India has got a wonderful market, mm. right? If you see a country like Korea, they have capacities. Mm. You know, how do they use their capacities? They have to have more markets. Uh, this is exactly one of the things that uh, we have been telling them that India can be a base not just for the Indian market, India can be a base for their expansion into the uh, new frontiers, mm. like in Africa, mm. like in the West Asia. So they are looking at newer markets. So India is one place which can provide them the capacity to absorb their excess capacities as well as enable their development, future development, the companies, Korean companies can benefit. That's what we can offer. Yeah, when I think of Korean brands, many of them are already very popular when you think of, you know, smartphones or cars. Um, And as someone from Chennai, I've always wondered why, you know, there are so many Koreans in Chennai, why so many big brands have set up there. So how did they come to set up there, these big Korean brands? Koreans are very enterprising. They are very entrepreneurial. They are very, very smart. So the Chebos, as they call their conglomerates, They had the wisdom and vision in 1990s when India embarked on the opening up to see that this is a market which we should uh, capture uh, as quickly as possible. Mm. So if you see the timeline, it was after our opening up in the early 90s. Mm. The Korean brands like LG, Samsung, Hyundai, they all ventured into India in the late 90s. uh, If I'm not wrong, the Chennai plant of Hyundai was in 96 or 97, it was inaugurated. And Samsung's plants were all around the same time. Mm. So they saw the potential of India, the market that it offered, and they came in there. Mm. So that's the early early stages of uh, Korea's uh, expansion into India. But following on the footsteps of these global brands uh, of Korea, other chebols of Korea, like Chosun, Lotte, all these brands have started looking at Indian market. Then comes the next wave, now is the time when we are focusing on the small and medium enterprises uh, which have, have the great capacity to take our economic engagement to a totally new level. Mm. So our engagement isn't new, it goes back to now more than 20 years, right? And how does investment look? Because Korean economy is something that a lot of people in Korea have been worrying about. So how does investment look from Korea to India? I think Korea is the fifth largest investor in India right now. Investment figures, if I'm not wrong, is about $6 billion, cumulative investments. It's growing. 
the, we had a very good wave of investment happening last year. If you, if you have seen the news, Kia Motors, which is a subsidiary of Hyundai, mm-hmm. invested about uh, 1.1 billion dollars into their factory in Anantapur in Andhra Pradesh. The factory process has already started. Uh, the factory is under construction. Mm-hmm. If I am not wrong, the first cars will roll out late this year or early next year. Mm-hmm. And this project came up in record timelines, mm-hmm. uh, which we are really very proud of. That's one aspect you would have seen in news article regarding the inauguration of the world's largest smartphone factory in Moida. Mm, uh, yes. That's an investment of uh, all over $700 million, if I'm not wrong, by Samsung, uh, in, their, uh, in expanding their uh, factory in Moida, in a smartphone factory. And I'm told that LG is also looking at, uh, uh, LG is also looking at new investments in India, though they don't have the information. So these are the investments which we hear from Chebos. Mm. That there are companies which are looking at uh, New, new fields like mm. in chemicals, like petrochemical sector, mm. like in steel, uh, uh, like in other other uh, areas, uh, other companies which are looking at investments. Uh, not from Lotte, for example, mm. uh, took over uh, a prominent uh, ice cream brand called Have More Ice Cream. Oh yes, at, at the rate of the investment was about 150 million dollars. Mm. So all these have been in the last one year alone. Mm. So I am sure that you will be hearing more such Korean investment stories in India mm. over the next few years. Mm. And uh, I think when our Prime Minister Narendra Modi came to Korea last year, it was also sort of decided that India and Korea would double their trade by 2030. So is this the direction that some of these investments are going forward? Of course, trade and investment are uh, critical aspects. By talking about trade, I explained to you about the investment. Mm. By talking about the trade, as of for the calendar year 2018, we had a trade of about close to $22 billion uh, mm. both ways. And the target that the leaders have set is for a trade of $50 billion, which is more than double what, mm. as you were saying, double is actually more than double mm. in, over the next 11 years. Uh, and how we are going to achieve it? We are going to achieve it by opening up our countries to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we are trying to do through uh, upgrading our SIPA, the Comprehensive Economic Partnership mm-hmm. Agreement between the two countries, which has been enforced from 2010, mm-hmm. which has helped us to move from about $10 billion in 2010 to about 22 today. Mm-hmm. And this SIPA we are trying to upgrade, mm-hmm. identify more areas for sort um, of interest to both the countries. And that is one way where how we will achieve this trade target of $50 billion by the year 2030. At this point, let's take a break. Welcome back after the break. You're listening to States of Anarchy and I'm Hamsini Hariharan. So South Korea is an important part of India's Look East policy. But India is also an important part of South Korea's own new Southern policy, as it's called. So how does India fit into South Korea's vision? So the UK's policy you mentioned uh, started in uh, 1990s, early mm. 1990s, if I'm not wrong, it's in 1992, mm. when we said that yes, it's time to focus in, on our eastern frontiers. When Prime Minister Modi took office in the year 2014, he felt that we need to vigorously act mm. towards, uh, act in improving our uh, engagements with uh, our uh, eastern partners be it uh, Korea, be it Asia, be it Japan, be it China. So, active policy came into force in 2014 and you can see the results. 
their trade is going up, their engagements are going up with almost all the countries in the region. Now, how does it fit into the Korean government's vision? President Moon took office in 2017. And when he came into office, uh, I think he had a realization that Korea, as you would hear from the think tanks and the, the, the intellectual circle in Seoul, that they were focused on their four major partners, which is US, Russia, China, and Japan. Mm. And they felt that it is time for Korea to expand its frontiers. Mm. And that's how they were thinking that, okay, it's time to look at partners in the south, which is Korea's south, mm. which includes ASEAN, which includes India. Mm. These are countries who they see as having the potential to help in Korea's own growth mm. over the next decade or two. Mm. So I think Korea sees India as an integral part of this. And this, if you see, looks at fits pretty well into our activist policy where mm. we want to work and expand our relationship with countries like Korea, which is in our eastern uh, frontier. Mm. So that's how I think both the countries are looking actively at each other. That's great. When I also think of, you know, people-to-people ties, as you had mentioned, Korea is a country that has, you know, a very strong pop culture presence, right, in terms of soft power. But India is also a country that has a very strong soft power. So how do you see Koreans in Seoul, in Korea, sort of looking at Indian culture? That's an interesting question, you know. Uh, many of us won't know this. The cultural engagement between or cultural relationship between India and Korea go almost back by 2000 years. I don't know whether you know this legend. There's a legend of Queen Ho. Uh, this mm-hmm. queen apparently traveled from India mm-hmm. to Korea and then married a Korean king of the Gaya Kingdom, which is located in the southern part. So this uh, queen married him and then the progeny, mm-hmm. their offsprings, they are called the Hers or the mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy Kims. So apparently they, they constitute about a sizable part of mm-hmm. Korean population. Uh, some put it at seven percent of Korean population. Wow. So if you if you speak to Koreans and uh, they, many of them recognize that there is a there's an old linkage between India and Korea. Mm-hmm. And also it doesn't stop there. The legend also goes that uh, this means uh, brother mm-hmm. brought Buddhism into Korea. And he was a Buddhist monk mm-hmm. and when uh, he came and then the the couples, the king and the queen, hers uh, kids, about, I think there were nine kids, mm-hmm. they were the first Buddhist monks of Korea. Ah. Uh, apparently there is a temple uh, dedicated to this Buddhist monks mm-hmm. which is located in Dingbe. So this linkage of Buddhism and uh, Queen Suri Ratna, her mm-hmm. name is actually Suri Ratna mm-hmm. and in Korea she is called as Queen Her. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Her clan, the surname mm-hmm. Her, comes from there, ah. from this way. And this is the first cultural linkage between mm-hmm. India and Korea. And of course, uh, the latest uh, elements of Indian culture like yoga. Mm-hmm. Uh, yoga is not latest, but the mm-hmm. more popular, commonly popular elements like, such as yoga, Bollywood, mm-hmm. they are uh, known in Korea. Yoga is immensely popular. It is. Uh, I went to one yoga class and everyone there was better than me. It was. It felt like there was yeah, a reflection. It's, yeah, it's, it's 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 a little bit different. They look yoga as more uh, physical mm. uh, sort of physical fitness aspect. Mm. We look yoga as a more holistic spiritual aspect. Yes. 
and the differences apart they are really very crazy about yoga uh, bollywood i would say it's picking up it which is not as much as you would see in other countries uh, across the world but it's picking up uh, dangal was a huge hit last year before the korean president uh, visited uh, india last july mm-hmm. the first lady mm-hmm. had a special screening of dangal along with uh, about 25 indian students uh, and she was uh, thrilled to watch the movie and after going to india she sat with the pogat sister <laughs> and tea and had tea at the hotel oh that's awesome that's a great story and what about uh, do you know how korean soft power is perceived in india sort of like is oh. there a craze about hollywood actually i am putting it on a lighter note i feel uh, i have grown up and i have grown old when i know that i am not so tuned to k-pop as some of my younger uh, relatives or uh, kids in india they seem to be knowing all the pop groups and uh, and the k-drama and the k-soaps so i think uh, it's it's becoming immensely popular and uh, we see a lot of uh, indian tourists coming into korea just because of the attraction uh, of kpop and uh, they have seen all these cities all these places they seem to be knowing about the korean culture and food just by watching them mm-hmm. so when they land here they are not aliens to korean culture they know it very very well that's awesome this is my last question to you sir if someone is interested in reading more about india south korea relations or just knowing more about it what books would you suggest or what resources would you suggest for them so i would like to recommend the book by a former ambassador of india to korea mr parthasarvi uh, this is a book he has written on uh, princess suri ratna who traveled from india to korea uh, almost 2000 years ago that is one book which gives a wonderful story of how this uh, queen traveled from india to korea and married the korean king So, anybody wanting to know about the historical linkages between India and Korea, I would recommend this. All right, thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Thanks. So that's it for this episode of Seeds of Anarchy. The book that Mr. Sivan recommended, An Indian Princess in Korea, is available online. I've attached a link for it and some other resources in the episode description. If you have any comments or questions, then do reach out to me at the rate Seeds of Anarchy on Instagram. or at the rate Hamsani H on Twitter. You can listen to States of Anarchy on the IVM podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't subscribed already, just click on the button and before you know it, we'll be back next week.